For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lincoln Journal Star's Life in the Red podcast. Luke Mullen and Amy Just for another week of updates in Nebraska athletics this week. Some good, some bad, some chaotic moments uh, for us to recap. It's certainly been um, a memorable, eventful week. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. We will uh, We'll get into some quick fire, I think, updates here at the, the start of this pod before we talk in depth about the week in women's basketball, softball, I think two of the the notable topics we want to hit on, but starting off with some of our our quick updates here. Promise that we talk about wrestling, we talk about track, uh, having great seasons going through right now, and uh, talking about the wrestling team. Number five ranked Nebraska recently had final home duel, uh, defeated number nine Michigan twenty five to seven. So really good top down performance across all the different weight classes and. Now 11-1 and one in team duels. That only loss was to, to Iowa last month. So really strong performance from the team so far this year. Yeah, they, um, they're um, they outing against Michigan. Um, like I thought they would win, but I didn't think it would be quite like that. Um, they had the stage built up. It was, it was an incredible um, atmosphere in there. Um, and it all started um, with the first first match, huge upset by Caleb Smith, and they just carried the momentum uh, through basically the rest of the evening. Um, incredible, incredible uh, stuff there by them. Uh, Ridge Lovett remains undefeated um, and dominated. Uh, major decision victory for him over his opponent and earned him Big Ten Wrestler of the Week. Yeah, one of, one of several Huskers who's going to be going for that all-American status uh, here pretty soon because a um, couple couple duels on the road. Then they got Big Ten championships, of course. You know, since this was uh, also last home duel senior day, but mm-hmm. only only one senior to celebrate, which, you know. Not true. Sorry, one true senior. Sorry. Yeah. Apologies. Apologies. Uh, but really a, a great a great story we're celebrating. Payne Rob been through so much and mm-hmm. in the midst of a great season too, you know, what was uh what was kind of the moment like for him there? Yeah, so his his last time on the mat in Devaney ended a little anticlimactically. Um there was um his opponent um you know, uh, they had challenged that uh, he had uh, gotten a takedown on Peyton in the last, like, three seconds of the third period. And so there was a review um, to end the match, which was a little bizarre. Um, but it ended up going in Peyton's favor, one narrowly, uh, two to one. Um, but because of that um, late uh, challenge, you know, Peyton said he kind of liked that it ended that way because he got to look around at, you know, all the fans and, like, take in that moment, like, for a little bit of extra time on the mat. So um, I thought that was a really interesting perspective from him. But, yeah, no, it was uh, was really special. Um, He had a lot of friends and family there. Um, The nurses that he had for his outpatient treatment at St. Elizabeth's were there Mm. in a suite. Like, it was really special. Yeah, great. 
great moment that, you know, obviously, you know, I'm sure he, when he was going through that, you know, physical therapy, you know, recovery process coming back from, um, you know, that, that time away from it, that had to be motivating him, you know, to get back to that spot. So really cool, great moment to see um, him going through all the way with that and, and celebrated at senior day. So again, you know, they're Big Ten championships on the on the horizon for them. Um, NCA is as well here to come up in a couple weeks. So but yeah, this week's Penn yeah. State, the number one team in the country. They're at Penn State. They don't get Penn State every year. Um, I'm really interested to see um, what Peyton can accomplish because um, he'll be going up against Levi Haynes, who um, it'll be a rematch from last year's uh, Big Ten final. Um, and a rematch from a match that they had in NCAAs before uh, Peyton got sick. So I'm very intrigued to see what happens uh, with that matchup specifically. And then just to see how Nebraska can battle at Penn State. And then their last dual meet is at Arizona State. I don't think all of them, all of your, you know, top tier ranked wrestlers will be wrestling in that one. Just to give them a little bit of a break before Big Tens. Yeah, certainly major challenge. Uh, coming this weekend, and then more to look forward to for that Nebraska wrestling team. So also updates, track and field team currently going through its indoor season. Uh, recently this last weekend, Nebraska competed at the Tyson Invitational in Arkansas, and really, really a standout performance from this one. Berlin Schutz, freshman, freshman distance runner out of Lincoln East, ran a, a four-minute, 37-second mile, uh, came from behind on the final stretch too, win the race, set a new school record, so impressive, obviously, for for any distance runner, but especially for the freshman. I think it was only her third third meet, fourth mm-hmm. meet, perhaps. I mean, it's it's a, a young season and the the young runner having a lot of success. Yeah, that is incredible. Um, we knew that she was going to be really good, right? You know, because we get to see her. Uh, we got to see her for the past several years. You know, dominating in cross yeah. country, dominating in track. Um, and for her to continue her dominant performances as a Husker has been really special to see. Yeah, and just one of his standout performances. There were a lot of other, um, you know, good uh, good performances, obviously, out in the field, you know, different distance runners that jump. So this track team right now will have a, a more thorough, I think, uh, preview for you coming up because they've got a tune-up meet here in the Devaney Center at home this weekend, but then Big, Door, Big Ten Indoor Championships NCAs after that will have a, a lot more in depth. I think we got to go through this this team in in uh, in depth because there's there's a lot of talent on this track and field team. Yeah, absolutely. And it wouldn't surprise me if some of the top tier contenders, um, like with wrestling, don't uh, run yeah. in the tune up. I know Darius Luff will not be running in that. Um, because he told me he wasn't uh, for a story I did on him last week. Um, but yeah, no, still going to be some uh, talented athletes out there. Wouldn't surprise me if the uh, the two-sport football guys uh, participate in that just because um, they had only had uh, one meet um, before um, mm-hmm. that they participated in. So wouldn't surprise me if they are out there competing. Um, so plenty to cheer for. Yeah. Cool, cool moment to potentially watch for in that one. Uh, so track and field update. And hey, we got we to gotta talk a little football. Uh, it's been a week or two. And thankfully, we did get the chance to, to hear from head coach Matt Rule. He had his usual uh, National Signing Day press conference and only a few kind of recruiting updates. It was a, a pretty quiet, uh, you know, February period. But that said, I think it was notable that, 
you know, he said, hey, he's had people telling him, hey, you know, what are, what's Nebraska going to do with this scholarship limit? Uh, he said, hey, don't worry. Uh, he's going to figure that out. And I think it was it was also a little bit clear that um, the situation, you know, they're they're finding solutions because they added Keona Will Height, really talented uh, defensive lineman on scholarship, but then adding a couple walk-ons, NIL accommodations to them, you know, getting creative ways to figure out how to add talent to this roster without dealing with that scholarship crunch. So that was, a, I think, a notable update. But yeah, no, they still are significantly over. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying it's all solved. They're just confident that they're going to solve it. So <laughs> yeah, they're more than 20 over. Yeah. Or about 20 over, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, they, lest we forget, they had a scholarship issue last year and they figured it out. Um, so they have to figure it out. It's not a problem that they can just yeah. sweep under the rug. It's a NCAA guidelines yeah. thing. So not not guidelines, not protocol, rule. Anyway, yep. um, we will we will talk more about Absolutely. protocol stuff later for a different sport. <laughs> but um, yeah. foreshadowing there, for yeah. a little bit of foreshadowing there. But yeah, no, I um, yeah, I'm not overly worried about that. Um, I think that there's a lot. They will learn um, once spring football rolls around, which is sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly. So that was, I think, one of the key updates. And then as well, learning a little bit more about how quarterbacks coach Glenn Thomas is going to fit into this coaching staff, um, you know, announced as co-offensive coordinator along with Marcus Satterfield. And uh, real kind of providing a little bit of a distinction, you know, clarification about how that process is going to go. He's saying, hey, Soderfield's the play caller, but, you know, th this is a, a pretty common thing among coaching staffs. Like, they're collaborative. Mm -hmm. Both those guys are going to be a, a huge part of dictating how this offense runs in 2024. Yeah, and you can tell that, um, you know, the pecking order, right, in terms of, you know, what Rule has said and then, you know, what was unsaid in their um, in their contracts, right? Um mm -hmm. It's uh, 800000 for Thomas and then um, no change to uh, Marcus Satterfield's compensation. I requested that. Um, he did have a tweak to his contract, but that was just a title change. Yep. Taking on the, the tight, tight ends, ends coach. Yep. yep. Yeah. So that was notable. And also, you know, we got the chance to, to hear from Glenn Thomas as well mm -hmm. a couple of days later. Um, you know, sharing a little bit of thought, a little bit of his preliminary thoughts about this quarterback situation. You know, obviously it's uh it's been a little bit of a journey from him. I mean, he was coaching in the NFL playoffs, you know, he's he's got recruiting to deal with as soon as he comes to Nebraska. So that was part of his point. You know, he's still getting to know these quarterbacks a little bit, but obviously interesting to hear him talk about how um it's going to be a little bit of a case of, you know, these are young quarterbacks. They want to get them a ton of reps in the spring. And he's obviously going to be working hands-on with them to, to get those improvements in right away. Yeah, they absolutely need the hands-on help. They are, you know, two true freshmen who, you know, if they were any other person, they would still be in high school right now, right? And then you have uh, someone who's technically a junior but has m minimal playing experience and— wasn't in the quarterback meeting room early in his career. So, yes, he's a junior, but he's still young, too. So he could really benefit um, from a little bit more hands-on uh, coaching as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was it was good to hear him talk about, hey, he said, me and Satterfield, we're talking the same language. Like, we're sitting down, going through the playbook, saying, you know, what works? You know, what personnel do we have coming back? So clearly, I think this is going to be 
all hands on deck. They're going to tweak this offense, you know, get it ready, get it to go well tuned to those players' strengths. So uh, that was notable hearing from Glenn Thomas. And then also some roster updates. We always have that uh, whenever Matt Rule gets the chance to to meet the media, you know, after an extended period of time. And, you know, one of the one of the details as well, talked with offensive lineman Ethan Piper a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, he obviously he was coming off a, a really difficult injury and real confirming that Piper going to be retiring from football. Yeah. And uh, Ethan had talked to um, the Omaha World Herald's Evan Bland about that decision, um, knowing that it was going to be a really hard uphill battle. He wanted to try, but just knew that his uh, probably not in the cards for him, but um, nothing to report yet. But it wouldn't surprise me if you still see him around in some capacity. Yeah, certainly a, a, a well-loved figure among his teammates and credit to him for a, a great, great Nebraska career, really a, a stalwart on that offensive line for a while. So that was notable as well as the players who are going to be missing at least an extended portion, if not all of spring practice. Among them, Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson, Malachi Coleman, Arze- Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, Prince Wellamon Mielin, Common Thread, season-ending injuries, had surgery, you know, one of those factors, um, and certainly going to be recovering for the spring. But Turner Corcoran, seemingly perhaps the most serious among them, had foot surgery last fall, rule saying that could uh, perhaps push him out of all the spring and not have him back till the fall. Yeah, which that's a bummer. Um, but if there is a silver lining to it, it'll let those younger guys be able to get some reps, um, which is always a good thing. Um, but yeah, Turner just needs to rest up and get back to being healthy. Yeah, one of the key veteran offensive linemen for this team. So that is the football update. Uh, we'll move into men's basketball. Still, uh, usually we spend a lot more time, but we got some uh, some juicy details to get to later. But the men's basketball update split a pair of games last week, and it was it was really kind of the same game, but in different in different fashion. Um, that's it, that being that Nebraska fell behind huge against Northwestern. It was like. It was over in the first half. I mean, they were down, what? They were down 20, 30. I mean, it was... They were down... So I didn't watch every minute of that game because I was at the uh, National Girls and Women in Sports Day event. Mm-hmm. Um, a better way to spend my time, apparently. Um, <laughs> no kidding. But when I came back in the office, they were down by 15, and it felt like the game had just started. I'm like, well, okay, that one's over. Yeah, I think it was I think it was a 20, 20 point deficit there in the first half. Uh, really difficult to come back from. Just didn't have a, a great defensive night. Um, that's something that they've struggled with a little bit in, in these road matchups. And Northwestern 11 for 25 from three point range. Nebraska had 17 turnovers, just not well executed. But contrast that with what happened when they go back to home, play Michigan. I mean, that thing, that thing was over. 15, 15 minutes into the game. I yeah. mean, it was incredibly lopsided. Nebraska led by as much as 30, ended up winning 79-59, emptied the bench. A lot of people got playing time. Obviously, the starters played a, a big chunk of the game, contributed, but really good to see, I think, the the all-around effort in that win. Yeah, except for the last, like, few minutes of the first half. Um, it was a 30-point lead for Nebraska at one point, and then uh, Michigan got it a little closer. Um and if Nebraska didn't go out to a little bit of a run to start the second half, it could be a completely different story. So True. still yeah. things to learn, still things to work on, but definitely a confidence booster uh, before they went into this off week. Yeah. And Nebraska, record on the season, 17-8. and eight. Most wins are the Fred Hoiberg era already. 
Yeah, uh, you pretty knew. Good. Yeah, pretty you good knew mark. Yeah. it was probably going to be possible just because of what their non-conference slate yeah. looked like. Good point. Um, but hey, we're still talking NCAA tournament mm-hmm. as of yesterday. I have not checked today's uh, ESPN bracketology, but as of yesterday, the uh, an interesting one. Uh, them with the ten seed. In Omaha. And who else? Who else was in Omaha? Iowa State and Kansas. <laughs> Ticket prices. Oh, my gosh. They would be through the roof. That would be insane. Yeah. So I did a little uh, procrastinating yesterday um, before I needed to write something, and then news changed that. Um, I went to see, I'm like, how many times has a 10, 11, 12, et cetera, seed played an hour from home um, once since 2015, Dayton played in Columbus. So uh, some teams uh, that had those low seeds had played like two hours away. Um, but yeah, not a common occurrence yeah. by any stretch of the imagination for your lower seeds in a pod to basically get home court advantage. For sure. Yeah, that is uh, quite the interesting projection. There'd be a lot of, a lot of happy fans if that, if that, that- turned out. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Not me. I would not be happy about it. But as we all know, it's totally about me. Not, um, you know, it would just, you know, it's a little too close for a hotel. So uh, I'd have to do what so many Nebraskans do every day is drive back and forth. Yep. And that is, yeah, not, 80 commute. that is not what I want to do with my, uh, with my time. So, um, but yeah, that would be nuts though. Yeah. Good luck getting a ticket to that, but there's still plenty of basketball left to be played. And, Constant changes to bracketology before Selection Sunday in yeah. like three three weeks. Yep, Something certainly like certainly Nebraska looking good right now, holding their own in Big Ten play, and obviously got to keep taking care of business. Um, you know, with these home games and Saturday at eleven a.m. It's an early tip off. Penn State coming to PBA. Couple good scorers on that team could be a could be a little bit of a test in that one too. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, at 11 a.m., that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So, um, but Nebraska does practice early, so it's not their morning practice team. So it's not going to catch them completely off guard. Yep, fair enough. So just the uh, just the one game this week for the men's basketball team. Again, looking to keep that momentum going. Uh, and moving on like to our, our larger portions of the podcast today, talk about the women's basketball team. What a week they have had. Um First off, it was a, an incredible, I think another really good defensive effort against Michigan, beat them the second time this season, 65-59. Um, Alexis Markowski had a great game and really big to bounce back from that Rutgers loss. We talked about that last time when they were they're going to be going into a huge game against Iowa. Like they they needed to get that that one under their belt. Yeah, it's the past week for Nebraska women's basketball just shows you never know what's going to happen. Um you can lose to the worst team in the conference, then you can beat the best team in the conference. Sure, because that totally makes sense. But that's just 
that's just how it goes. You never know what's going to happen night in, night out. And uh, this past week was like the example of that. Absolutely. So the huge, huge news of the week, of course, number two, Iowa coming to town. Um, Nebraska, you know, steals the show. Caitlin Clark going for the NCAA women's scoring record. 82-79 upset win. And I think the the craziest thing about this is Iowa led by 14 points mm-hmm. going into the fourth quarter. Yep. They played a phenomenal game. Yep. And Nebraska just completely, I don't want to say dominated, but played lights out in that fourth quarter. I mean, they were phenomenal offense, defense, all aspects of the game. Yeah, so Nebraska changed up its defense going into the fourth quarter. Uh, They switched to a box and one, and Iowa had not prepared for that with them because that's not something Nebraska normally does. Um, And Iowa had a tough time adjusting to that. They they didn't adjust to it. Uh, Caitlin Clark was held scoreless in the fourth quarter for the first time in her entire career. Like, that doesn't happen. She only needed eight points to break the NCAA scoring record. And they held her to nothing. And it's not like she didn't shoot the ball. People were like, oh, they they wanted her to, you know, get the record at home. No, she shot the ball. It just wasn't going in. She wasn't getting good looks because Nebraska's defense was just completely keyed in on her and— they just couldn't figure it out. Yeah, and I think it was obviously the whole Iowa offense was just like completely out of sync in that regard. I mean, it was their whole shot selection like was so marginally different from those first three quarters. And I think we saw that obviously in the end of the game effort that uh, Caitlin Clark threw up there. But you got to give credit to all these different Nebraska players, foremost amongst them, Jazz Shelley. I think just ice in her veins, hit that go-ahead three-pointer. With 30 seconds yep. to go, mind you, Nebraska hadn't led at all, all game. Not even, you know, a 2-0. Mm-hmm. No, they hadn't led at all. And when that three-pointer went in, that was about as loud as that place has been for a men, for a men or women's game all year. Yeah. It was nuts. Because you had all the Nebraska fans who were super excited, and you had all the Iowa fans who were in like total disbelief that the meltdown had happened. And then, and then she hits four four clutch free throws too. Talk mm-hmm. about pressure! Incredible, incredible from her, and rightfully I think gets some uh, national recognition. Named the AP National Player of the Week, first time in program history that has happened. Yeah, it's it's pretty special. Yeah. Um, she has had an incredible season. Um, her triple double in December mm-hmm. um, comes to mind. Um, but that performance that she had in that fourth quarter um, was just incredible. Yeah, special to watch. And Alexis Markowski also had a great game, another double-double. For her and Jazz Shelley, big moment, too, as they beat Iowa for the first time. You know, it's been a, a great program hanging over those two players for a little while. And an, a, another court storming at the end of it. We got to talk about is this some some PBA magic this year. There's something. Yeah. There's something about it, man. I I can't quite put my finger on it, but it was pretty special. And one of the first people on the floor after the the buzzer went final, uh, Josiah Alec, and a bunch of the basketball team. Yeah, top got 10. A, got a different perspective on a court storm, which I thought was pretty special too. <laughs> really cool. Top 10 opponents, be warned, coming into PBA. And uh, also of note, talking about awards, uh, you know, Jazz Shelley and the National Player of the Week. Natalie Potts, I named uh, Big Ten Freshman of the Week for the sixth time. I almost, I've, I stopped leaving it off these, uh, <laughs> these podcast episodes because she kept, she just kept winning it. She's been a, a double-double machine. I think what's she averaging, like eight? 
it's eat a, a game or something like that. Yeah. Just give her the Big Ten Freshman of the Year award now. Absolutely. Like, wh- why wait? Yeah. It's cra- it's crazy. Um, you know, think she, you know, it's not a new award to this program considering there's a current player on the team that won that her freshman year with Alexis. So, yeah, really good. Really good success there. Those two post players having a, a great, great week for Nebraska. And this win over Iowa was watched by a whole ton of people. Of course, it was a, a record crowd, 15,000 plus at Pinnacle Bank Arena, and then 1.8 million people watching on TV. Really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's a, the same number that uh, watched um, a Nebraska volleyball match earlier this season. An incredible number. Um, you know, the... And if, it just shows that if you invest in women's sports, it'll happen, right? And everyone's saying, oh, well, everyone turn, tuned in to watch Caitlin Clark. Yeah, they did. Um, but she didn't win. And so hopefully all of those people will buy a Peacock subscription because that's where they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> when, she, when she goes for the record, I think today, tomorrow, I think today. It's been a long week. Um but yeah. Soon, when she goes for the record soon. When she scores eight <laughs> points in the yep. first three minutes of the next game that yeah, she I was gonna plays. Say, she's probably she's probably had minutes of play. She scored eight eight points in. So yeah. we'll be interesting to see uh, when that record falls. It's going to be a, a great moment for them. But of course, Nebraska women's basketball got that win. And unfortunately, the, the story doesn't really end no. with, with, uh, no, with just the game. Uh, the post game was a notable, this you know caught national media attention. Iowa head coach Lisa Bluter caught loudly complaining as uh, Alexis Markowski answered a question. And uh, you asked that question, didn't you? I did. I did. So there was a really special moment on the floor after the game that I caught um, Alexis. um, In the chaos of it all, found her dad. And they were hugging and celebrating and taking pictures and screaming and all of those, like, really excited, like, cute things. Um, and so I wanted to ask her about it. So I asked her about it. And then like a sentence and a half into her answer, um, Iowa opened the door to the media room and Lisa, um, lost her mind, um, saying some things that we can't, uh, can't repeat on the pod without, uh, getting bleeped. (laughs) Um, and so for those who are a little bit confused as to like how that happened, um, so traditionally, um, the opposing team usually goes first for post game, um, but Nebraska did not know that Iowa hadn't gone yet because they were on the court for a long time celebrating, like a long time over over twenty minutes, right? About that, yep. yeah. And then mm-hmm. you know went into like it was so long that one of the staff members was like calling the players into the locker room because they, you know, needed to have their post-game meeting. (laughs) Like, that doesn't normally happen. Like, hey, like, need you in the locker room. A lot more business-like, And, of course, like, they weren't listening. They were having fun with their friends and family. And so it took a very long time for them to get off the floor. I was out on the floor until all of them went in, and I had accepted that Iowa probably had already gone. Like, I... Totally thought that Iowa had already done their post game because it took forever to get Nebraska off the floor. And so when I got into the media room, like 
the most full I've ever seen it. Um, they're like, no, Iowa hasn't gone yet. And I'm like, really? Interesting. Um, and so Nebraska comes into the media room, and I believe they're assuming the same thing. Um, their sports information director, um, he says, you know, this could be a little disjointed. Like when Iowa shows up, we'll give them the room, basically. Mm-hmm. And then um, Iowa came in, and before anyone could say anything, you know, get Nebraska off of the podium is when Lisa started going off on her X-rated tirade. And then she stormed off, um, but Caitlin Clark and Kate Martin stayed, um, and they waited. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll wait. So um, they gave a longer press conference, actually, than was asked of Nebraska. And, yeah, there was a very interesting yeah. Memorable moment in PBA. <laughs> yeah, if you if you want the video context uh, for what we're talking about, we do have the the video up journalstar.com. You can check that out. And I I will say just from, you know, outside perspective, I wasn't there. Just what a what a bad look from from coach Bluter. I mean, you got to hand you got to handle losing with a little bit of class. Um, you know, obviously obviously it's a difficult, you know, obviously you know, you have your post-game team meeting, you have travel plans. People understand like you got to follow a schedule. It's stressful, but yelling at people, you know, going, um, you know, having that moment caught is already a bad look. And then the fact that Caitlin and, and Kate Martin both did the media situation, fielded questions. She never came back and did that. That's, I think, very, very weak leadership, in my opinion. Yeah, it it was a mess. Um, you know, and the the whole we have a flight to catch. It's not like you're flying commercial. Like, it's a charter flight and it's like a 48 minute flight. Like yep. it's a four hour drive for us plebes. Yeah. I could say put them, put them on some buses. They wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have even got back there that late. So. No, but yeah, yeah, it's just really, really an odd, odd situation. Yeah. To see. Just, yeah. No, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people rolled their eyes at that remark in general. Oh, we have a flight to catch. Yeah. Never in the history of ever has a charter flight left without the people that's supposed to be on it. Never. And if it did, that would be uh that'd be an all time, <laughs> an all time mistake there. <laughs> so, or like, what if the yeah. game had gone to overtime? Yeah, absolutely. Are you afraid that the plane's going to leave yeah. you then? No, of could've, course not. They could have had a shorter team meeting. You know, there's, there's a litany of reasons why yeah. that, that reaction was not, not appropriate for that moment. So really, uh, you know, Kind of strange to see that, but ultimately, you know, Nebraska gets the win. Um, Iowa getting some uh, some unfortunate attention after that one. And hey, you know, looking looking forward for this Nebraska team. I mean, what a what an incredible resume booster this is. Uh, first of all, for their seed in the NCAA tournament coming up, and it's a, a win over number two Iowa and playing number two team again this week. Ohio State now Tonight. ranked number two. Yeah, yeah. It's the the curse of the number two team. I think the number two team. Um, more often than not, has uh, recorded a loss when they've been ranked at that spot. So maybe the magic continues for Nebraska tonight. Um, The listeners will probably know by the time this comes out, but you never know. Yep, going to be a difficult one. It's going to be a really difficult one. Uh, Ohio State is a very hard place to play, Yeah, and they're an incredible team this year. So if Nebraska could do it again, that would be insane. Mm Mm-hmm. And both games on the road this week, Huskers will play Purdue on Saturday as well before returning home. So big week for the women's basketball team 
Good news, obviously, that uh, that big upset win. But the bad news uh, that we alluded to earlier in the podcast, the Nebraska softball team, really, really devastating news for its season. Um, in the opening game of the year, pitcher Jordy Ball, uh, she suffered an injury, left the game. We now know that 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 injury is to her ACL, uh, will cause her to miss the remainder of the season. Um, Nebraska expecting that Ball will be able to redshirt uh, and be back in 25 and 2026, uh, fully healthy and ready to go. But injury happened. I mean, it was the third inning of the season, all the hype, all the excitement, the promise of this team. So, so deflating to see. And it, like, as we talked about off camera, it didn't even look that bad. Yeah. It just looked like she tripped, tweaked her ankle. Okay. Out for a couple weeks, whatever. Um, I think the, the news of it being as severe as it was took everybody by surprise. Yeah. And certainly the, uh, the moment when it happened, um, you know, obviously she, uh, twisted her ankle or, you know, didn't land right, I suppose you could say, on a on a delivery to the plate. And then, you know, you, you get hurt like that. You know, she she stayed down for a little bit, but was pretty quickly able to hobble back to the dugout. But as we know, you can you can walk on an ACL. So that that was not um, you know, the case. But, you know, obviously it uh it didn't it didn't look so bad, but stuff like that, you know, it's it's not always uh you know, physically right away, you're able to tell. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something that they need imaging and other things to detect. So certainly when they got that um, and were able to to confirm that, they were able to make that decision. And gosh, you just have to feel for Jordy too. I mean, she's she's such a competitor, had two great years, I'm sure was looking forward so much this season and and now got a got a watch from from the bench, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. I just all the other words that I want to say are also not um, applicable to be said on a podcast. Yeah. So, um, but I think I just feel awful. Yeah, it's worth pointing out though. You correctly identified that women's athletics has had a rash of these really tough season-ending injuries. Reagan Robbie, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking Lindsay a little. You Crow- made the, yeah. Lindsay Crosby, yeah. Allison Widener, yep. uh, Abby Squire, Jordy Ball. Yeah, and. The good silver lining, I guess you could say, is that those other programs, incredible seasons, soccer, volleyball made the tournament, went really far, obviously. Um, and this women's basketball team is looking to do the same, too. So that potential is still out there uh, for the softball team. And I think we we kind of saw the immediate reaction to that um, in this tournament in Mexico. Nebraska lost that first one 8-0 to Washington and were nearly no hit against Duke. I mean, these are two top 10 teams, two teams that went really far in the NCAA tournament, College World Series, Super Regional last year. But then next two games, they were able to bounce back. 7-2 win over Long Beach State, 3-2 win over Utah Valley. Billy Andrews had a couple home runs. I think the entire lineup really kind of woke up in those final two. And um, worth noting that that win over Utah Valley, Samantha Bland, great, great dive and catch there in foul territory made the uh, the last out. So the defense really showed up too. But the question for this team is going to be, hey, Jordy's out. Like these other pitchers really got to step up and, and eat up these innings now. And I think they will, right? Like obviously this wasn't the plan, so it might take a little bit of time to adjust, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, Sarah Harness and Kaylin Kinney are really good pitchers. And I think they will salvage some things. Yeah. It's not, you know, the sky isn't falling. The season's not over, right? One tournament into the season. Like, 
There's plenty of time to figure this out. And I'll also say this team, they went through the exact same thing last year. Like, if anything, this team is going to feel like battle-tested, like veterans, Mm -hmm. like, hey, we've been through this. We made the tournament. We can do it again. Uh, That's probably the feeling that will be going through this Nebraska softball team. And obviously, as you said, I mean, Kaylin Kinney and Sarah Harness, they pitched 20 the next 22 innings uh, in Mexico following that injury. Kaylin Kinney picking up uh, both those wins. She was fantastic. So expect to see those two seniors um, getting the bulk of those innings and also, fresh, freshman left-hander uh, Caitlin Olinsky pitched two games out there in Mexico. Um, Rhonda Ravel, she was talking to Huskers Radio Network, and she was saying the the ball injury, Caitlin Olinsky came out of the bullpen immediately after that, and she said, well, Caitlin was the only one in the bullpen. Like, that's how much that, you know, that moment just came out of nowhere. It did. Yeah, she was the only one up and warm, and she came in, and Washington, you know, a, a veteran team, that was a, a really tough moment to come in and, but pitched again later in that tournament. Obviously, she's a, she's going to be a, a big fixture for this team moving forward, too. That's why you always have someone warm. You yep. never know what's going to happen. And, you know, I, she faced like three, three batters, I yeah. think, in that. And she did what she could. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But that experience, you know, shows that, uh, you know, coming back in, of course, uh, a couple of days later and, and improving as well. She's going to be part of it. A couple other freshman pitchers, we'll see how they work them in. Uh, but again, that'll be kind of all hands on deck situation. Obviously, Jordy was going to throw a lot of innings for this team. Um, you know, two-time All-American. That loss is going to be huge. But as we, for all the reasons we said at the beginning of the year, the team outside of her is immensely talented. Um, these NCAA tournament hopes, I think, aren't going anywhere. And They'll be back at it in Las Cruces, New Mexico this week. They'll play five games at the Troy Cox Classic, Mary Nutter Invitational the weekend after that. That'll be big test, mm-hmm. a lot more of these national powerhouses. But we'll certainly, I think, we'll, we'll learn a lot about this, uh, this Nebraska softball team these next two weeks. Absolutely. Yeah, so really tough news there uh, with Jordy's injury, but... Appreciate all of you, uh, all you you listeners out there. I know we we had to go through these sports quick. It was uh, pretty pretty jam packed today. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and you know I've got a a rifle story that's going to publish later this week, and then a swimming story publishing next week. So there's still plenty plenty going on in the world of Husker athletics. Certainly, yeah. So stay tuned online, of course, for all those updates, and that'll do it for today's podcast. Appreciate all of you regular listeners and viewers for coming back to us, and we'll be we'll be back at it next week with more updates in Nebraska athletics. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.